Hello, it's 5pm on Friday the 29th of March, the day that Theresa May vowed that we would be leaving the European Union come what may. But as we've learned over recent months, Theresa May's vows don't amount to a hill of beans in this crazy world. (laughs) Her deal has just been rejected for a third and hopefully final time by 344 votes to 286. One more push. (laughs) (laughs) We've sent up the bat signal for another Romaniacs emergency podcast. I'm Dorian Linsky. I've got Naomi Smith with me. Hello, Naomi. Hello. And back on the show after his escape to Mykonos, back to Brexit Island, it's Alex Andreu. Welcome back, Alex. Hello. Um, I noticed that you you took the opportunity to stay off Twitter and avoid all all Brexit news while you were away. I was completely addicted, man. Because I felt sort of even more disconnected and helpless if that could be possible. So I was constantly addicted to it. It's like you were here. It's like I never left. (laughs) Not not as many recipes as we normally. Seriously, get though, who knew that between looking after a, an elderly an elderly pa- parent with dementia, and uh, you know what was going on with Brexit on Twitter, the latter would be the harder thing. <laughs> <laughs> you know, looking after mum was a breeze. <laughs> so, Naomi, um, compared to anything except the first two meaningful votes, this was a substantial <laughs> defeat, but. Um, it didn't seem like it was necessarily going to be yesterday. It was a lot closer. Uh, it felt like it could be a lot closer than it was. Can you explain why there was more uncertainty around this one? Yes. So if you remember, the first two meaningful votes were on both the withdrawal agreement and the political declaration. So Theresa May thought she was being very cunning by decoupling those and just having the Commons vote on the withdrawal agreement today. And for many people in Labour, that's the kind of bit of the deal that they were okay with and isn't markedly different from what you know they, they want as a sort of soft Brexit option. So it was it was done as a ruse to try and get it through. So we were much more concerned as a campaign following the actions of each MP um very, very closely than we had been previously. Um and obviously we saw lots and lots of ERGers breaking for the deal and realising that this was their only chance of Brexit. And we've been saying this on the podcast for months and months and months that, mm. you know, they if were we ERG, we'd back her deal because yeah. soft Brexit today, get hard Brexit at a later course. date once you've got rid of her. Um, so we were watching them like hawks and, you know, obviously we saw Rhys Mogg in particular say he was going to back the deal, then he would only back the deal if the DUP backed the deal and then, of course, voting for the deal, even though the DUP didn't. And we were we were concerned about the Labour backbenchers. And so right up to the last minute, our whip counts were showing that, you know, we were there were about 40 to 45 Labour backbenchers that we were uncertain of. And we just didn't quite know which way they would go. Um, and, uh, you know, <laughs> stalking their Twitter feeds, not just, you know, things that they posted, but things that they'd liked. Their Facebook pages, trying to get the intel on where they were at, as well as obviously having all of our conversations with inside uh, the House of Commons and seeing who had spoken to who and, and, you know, what they were breaking for. So there was huge uncertainty over a large number of them. And thankfully, at the, you know, at the last minute, almost all of those broke for us and, and against the deal. Um, and yeah, and, and uh, you know, but almost for every one of them coming over, we were losing an ERG on the other side. So it felt certainly the night before the vote, very dangerous indeed. Um, there were lots of discussions happening in the Commons. And this was coming off the back of a week where the, 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 the MPs were incredibly frazzled. They, this has been a very, very long week for them. You know, unlike the rest of us, they usually finish on Thursdays. 
Mm. Um, they'd had the indicative votes. They'd had, you know, several days of intense debate, very, very, very high emotion being over lobbied by all sides. And of course, today we also had the <laughs> Farage march and the Toby Robinson crew turning up outside Parliament, causing all sorts of trouble as well. So emotions were high, exhaustion levels were high. And we were just concerned that the MPs weren't going to hold the line and follow the particularly the Labour whip that they needed to. Uh, in the end, we only had five um, Labour rebels and we had a healthy number of Conservatives rebel. With, with the, Labour, the Labour rebels were, I mean, including Caroline Flint, these were the people that you'd expect, right? Yes. The, the, the hardest of the hardcore. Indeed, indeed. Um, and actually, most of them sort of have slightly different reasons for, for supporting it. You know, some of them are just straight up Lexiters, mm. like Jim Fitzpatrick, who isn't standing again, so doesn't have to sort of fear yeah. the good people of Popper and Limehouse, John who of is. course are very much mm. uh, Remain, as we heard John Mann as John well. Mann um, and, and then Caroline, you know, having, I think, probably just, you know, a, a genuine concern over the people of her constituency still being very avidly pro leave. And I mean, there was a stream of ERG as reluctantly coming across. Um, does this damage, uh, you know, the, the sort of the Rabs and the Mogs, who, like you said, not, uh, I mean, actually quite a sensible thing to do? You know, you say yeah. the sort of thing that we would have advised them to do if we were on the dark side. Um, but presumably <laughs> the 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 other people, the Steve Bakers and so on, are going to are going to see them as uh, splitters. Mm. Indeed. And uh, there's uh, as uh, as I was on my way here to the studio, there's lots of talk about Jacob Rees-Mogg being replaced as the chairman of the ERG. Um, so <laughs> <laughs> I think they may have burnt some political <laughs> capital. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, almost ask you know who hasn't in the government but that's that's partly one of the the great things about it that you begin effectively to split them between the purists and the practicals of brexit and that tension between them will begin to cause cracks and you know their great strength was that they always voted as a block the moment that block started to crumble they actually became less dangerous in in the sense that no deal actually fell off the table because they stopped voting as a block, because they broke away. That's when no deal became less Although no possible. deal, of course, is... Well, no deal on, is incredibly table, possible, but now well. from the EU side, because mm. we're reaching a point where, at, you know, I think we're coming to a, a juncture yeah. where at some point the EU will say, take the deal, leave, revoke, just leave us alone. You're right. As the options have dropped away, everyone's very true colours have become much more stark and apparent. We're now in primary colours with with Brexit. Finally, yeah. after does this, I mean, does this reveal like the the, the people that sort of uh, voted against now? That is the kind of is that the irreducible hardcore? Do you I, think? I would I would expect so. Yes. Yeah, and I think May's probably running out of blackmails yeah. now as well. The, you know, but you know that you're running out of things to throw at them to change their mind. She's split now. The the withdrawal agreement from the political declare. I mean, I, I I don't see what more there's left, unless the EU help her in a way by mm-hmm. offering uh, an extension. The terms of which are, are so yeah. humiliating that might motivate some more people to. Can we clarify for uh, for people um, who are maybe not okay with the procedure how this. Meaningful vote even happened, considering Burko saying she couldn't bring it back if it was the same it, thing. It, was it the it decoupling? It was a decoupling, yeah. That was Straight the trick. up, yeah, yeah, the trick. Yeah. And I don't know that we won't see another ploy. So 
from the campaign's perspective, we were always confident that it would probably be defeated. What we were very concerned about was the size of her defeat <clears throat> and that if it had gone sub 50, that would have been very, very tricky for us because she would have had a very legitimate reason to say, I can do this. Let me bring it back one more time. <laughs> well, I mean, at this rate, I mean, she could... <laughs> exactly, exactly. Right. So, so where we're at now is that I don't think we can afford to celebrate too much. Um, we are, as Alex has, and, and you, Dorian, have sort of pointed out, we've now basically got two options, which is no deal or long extension. So we got to the meaningful vote today because she managed to decouple the political declaration from the withdrawal agreement. She still didn't get it through. And her defeat was much, much smaller than previously, but probably still quite a stretch for her to imagine bringing it forward again. What we're going to see on Monday, of course, is the um, uh, Commons taking control of the House again, the MPs taking control of the House again rather than the executive. Um, and they will probably, we don't know yet, bring maybe the top three or four from the indicative vote amendments back again for another round on Monday. Um, so that's likely to be the, the final say amendment, mm. Ken Clark's amendment on a customs union. And some kind of Jeremy Corbyn 2.0 um, and and lots and lots of talk up of customs union happening over the weekend. Now, May faces, you know, another decision on, on what she does with all of this. And it's quite uh, uh, the only solution, as I can see it for her, is for her to if she really wants to get this through is to attach what we had referred to as the Kyle Wilson Amendment, the Becker Amendment. The, to it. If you back me, so for her, to I, put will it put, to the I, I will put it to the people. Get my, my deal through yeah. and I'll put it to the people. Um, and, of course, the other thing that has happened since the vote is that the EU have said that there will be a summit on the 10th. We can only assume that at that summit a similar thing will happen as happened last time, which is where she goes in, asks for the thing that she wants, leaves, and then they talk about it and discuss it's, it. It's like a parent-teacher meeting for a recalcitrant student, <laughs> isn't it? It's like we have to talk about the UK again. <laughs> Will hard... And, sorry. Yeah, and, and just to say that I think I don't see how she goes into that without asking for at least a one-year extension. So, you know, they will either turn around and say, you know, no, it's no deal, uh, or um, yes, and we are definitely fighting the European elections. Will hardcore anti-Brexit people, you think, vote for the deal if it's tied to a people's vote? Because it's a weird thing, because, of course, they're getting this thing that they want. Mm. Well, you know, it's their second favourite, maybe, mm. after Revoke. But they're going to be voting, yeah. go through the lobbies for her. Do you think some people will just be like, I can't do it even to get a people's vote? It's It's very, very tough. So... The other thing, of course, that is happening on Monday is the debate on the revoke fifticle, the revoke Article Fifty petition. I like revoke um, fifticle. Fifticle. I like that. That's how tired I am, people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so she looks fabulous, by the way. You can't see <laughs> that. That thank you. Uh, that debate is happening on Monday as well. Um, and you're right, Dorian. It's it's really tricky to game it because some of the MPs that are probably slightly pro soft Brexit that definitely don't want a referendum and would prefer revoke, what do they do in that situation where, you know... Mm. It, it, so we'll be gaming that out all weekend. We'll be hitting the phones, talking to all of our, our um, people who caucus for us within the, the different commons groups uh, to figure out what happens there. But we, we don't yet know which indicative votes are going to be brought back. Isn't also one of the issues that it, she could turn around, uh, promise a... Uh, Kyle Wilson type amendment 
attached to her deal and then make the referendum between her deal and no deal, that would be quite consistent with her whole the people voted, we can't go back to them stick. Um, you know, that's quite a danger. You've got to I check think the small print on... Just because <laughs> your deals with May. It, it seems you? to me consistent with yeah. her psychology mm -hmm. to turn around and say, fine, I will give you a referendum on the deal, and then the government proposed mm -hmm. that the referendum that should be put forward mm -hmm. is between her deal and no deal because the people voted, etc., etc. In which case she won't get it through. She only gets her deal through if the confirmation allows for remain on the ballot yeah. paper because... There is no trust whatsoever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. <laughs> and and so uh, you think that she won't be able to uncover it? And because there is, the, uh, yeah, the, and, the and, and, and even the people that don't want a second yeah, referendum yeah. definitely, definitely don't want no deal apart from a few of the headbangers. So can I, I, can I give a I short shout out, by the way, to uh, Anne Main, uh, the MP for Saint so, Albans, oh, yeah. who was the funniest ERG switch by a long, long chalk. She actually st stood up in the house, and I hope the good people of St. Albans are listening to this, 17,000 of whom have signed the revoctical. What so far, <laughs> so far, keep signing St. <laughs> yeah, Albans. Say the, the revoctician. Um, so she stood up in the house and she said that she'd received between six and 800 emails from her constituents, um, save 80 of which were all from Remain people asking her not to vote for the deal, which proved to her that th this was a conspiracy to stop Brexit. And that's why she was switching to voting for May's deal. So she had hundreds of her constituents in this heavily Remain constituency saying, we don't want you to vote for, for the deal. And this was her reason <laughs> for, voting. for voting for the it's deal. It's been a tiring week, hasn't it? <laughs> it I mean, I mean, but it's not wearing I, it well. I sort of rewound that and looked at it a couple of times because I was like, did she actually say that? That, you know, because it's popular in my constituency, she said, I will not be cowed. But I, wow. can, I can never remember a time uh, when the psychology of individual MPs people that you perhaps had never heard of before, <laughs> unless you were, you know, like a Westminster correspondent, has become so complicated and so fascinating because, like Naomi's saying, you know, obviously a campaign group has to kind of do its own whip count and, and kind of think, OK, which way are, are they leaning? But I think anybody who's just following it in a kind of more sort of amateurish way has also suddenly just kind of... It's fascinating. You know, it's, the, it's the viewing compelled. figures for the Parliament channel mm. have shot up through and the room. Yeah, and everybody's sort of discussing these people that literally they didn't know existed a few months ago. Did Mark Francois uh, switch, by the way, or is he still one of the hardcore? Because he was making some noise. I don't think he's... It would be interesting to find out. I can tell you. It would be interesting to find out if he had to go in some room with some sellotape and stick together the deal he ripped up live on TV because his father fought Germany or something. I, don't think, I think the Francois is not for turning, but I, mean, I, I could be wrong. But that I, was, He that was making me. some weird no noises. He, you know? he was a no. He voted against. Ah, right, good. There we go. Very good. Um, so as for the revocation. The revocation. The revocation. Um, like I said, it's being... The fifticle. It's being debated. <laughs> now, the numbers... Stop teasing me. I'm tired. I have, no, we love it. I have to say, I was a little surprised by supporters of the petition saying that we have to get this over six million as if that was the thing. And everyone goes, oh, okay, six million. You know, five million, eh. 
you know, five million, nine hundred thousand people. Yeah, but okay, six million now. You know, I I don't know how many millions. Probably seventeen point four. Yeah. Plus one, it would have to get to um, before before it became undeniable. What's what does the events of today uh, think have any bearing on this kind of uh, movement towards revoke? Revoke. Uh, I think the petition has put revoke on the table. No, no, but I'm talking today. I mean, because we just, we discussed you, this earlier in the week that obviously the petition. Has, but I think in a more but in a more general way, you know, everyone is talking about revoke as an option now, and the closer we get, the the more we knock out options, and the closer we get to the actual no deal date, effectively we depend on the kindness of the EU. We depend on their flexibility to extend on reasonable terms and not push us on X, Y, and Z. But we may reach a point where it actually does come out to no deal or revoke. And it was very interesting to hear Lisa Nandi yesterday uh, on Politics Live, which we, and she's one of the, the Labour MPs who have vacillated slightly, you know, flirted with the idea of voting for the deal. But it was quite interesting to hear her on Politics Live yesterday say that M- Mrs. May needs to understand that even pe- for people like me, if it came down to a choice between no deal and revoke, I would vote to vote to revoke Article 50 every day. Mm. And there are many MPs who feel exactly the same way. Um, the big question, the mysterious question is how is Theresa May still prime minister? <laughs> <laughs> and what dark magic will it take to remove her? Because obviously... Her yeah. promising to remove mm-hmm. herself didn't work. <laughs> they won't so, do anything. They want her okay. to go, but they won't do what she wants in order to make her go, which I suppose is understandable. Mm. Um, how can she just keep standing? Well, I'm not sure that she will for terribly much longer. Certainly, the uh, some of her cabinet, um, who are probably more sympathetic to us than other members of the cabinet are beginning to talk about how to get rid of her. Um, And certainly from the ERG's perspective, of course, customs union coming back and potentially being a thing on Monday is a real red line for them. So we may see a bit of a pincer movement of them uh, supporting a confidence motion. Yeah. And I think that that is a very... I think that's that's the only way left now. Um, Although I have to say, even for her, she looked incredibly tired today. It, yeah, and I get a sense, actually, the last couple of times she's been in the Commons that she doesn't care anymore. Yeah. She re- it, yeah. it looks to me like so she doesn't care So if she anymore. wants to go down in history as somebody that just failed, you know, carry on doing the same thing. If she wants to go down in history as somebody, as a Prime Minister who at least tried to get back through, she'll do the right thing and attach a ratification amendment to her, mm. her deal. But uh, but also doing the right thing. (laughs) Indeed, your your fan fiction. (laughs) The other problem is that there's there needs to be internal pressure and external pressure. And at the moment, there's internal pressure for her to go, but there's no external pressure for her to go because there are plenty of people that want the job, but no one that wants the job quite yet. Although, can we just take a moment to talk about Michael Gove's jog? Did you see him jogging? <laughs> Jog I mean, to victory. He, he quite 
literally must have just started running when he turned around the corner because he was running too fast for it to have been a job that he'd been doing for 5k or something like that so it was obviously like turn the corner start running start running <laughs> it was just beautiful brilliant. beautiful now amazingly according to a couple of uh, polls this week Theresa may um arguably the worst prime minister in modern history uh no authority whatsoever yeah um can't get people to do what she wants even at the promise of going um <laughs> <laughs> and yet she's still uh, ahead of Jeremy Corbyn in the personal ratings, not the party ratings. Um, and both of them are still being trounced by don't know or leave me alone. <laughs> <laughs> or, 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 or Ron, reopen <laughs> nomination. Yeah. yeah. Um, so obviously people now talking about uh, a general election. Could you, do you have any confidence about which way that would go. The Tory party seem to be in a, in a wretched state to fight one. They don't have a record from the, of the last two years to fight on. They, what can no. they say that they've done? You know, as, as Ian said, oh, you know, we've got I a mean, port block what coming will up. Be in That's the, about it. What will be in their manifestos on Brexit? Both of them, Labour and Tories. If we go to a general election tomorrow, what will they say is their position on Brexit in the manifesto? They will, it seems to me, go to people with exactly the same unicorns that they did last time. One of them will be offering a jobs first Brexit, whatever that is. And the other one will be offering to respect the will of the people. I mean, it means nothing. Yeah. And it's it's the, the wrong solution to the right question. Um, and I, I agree. I do not see how a general election will solve anything at all. We are now an incredibly, you know, divided country. The 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 tiggers today have just um, decided that they are cucks. But I will let I will let um, oh, <laughs> Alex God. explain I hadn't, to listeners what, I hadn't what thought change of UK. The acronym. <laughs> oh God! Oh yeah. Um, the first one I saw was the was the chuckers, cucks. which made more sense. Um, and I, 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 cannot, I cannot see a general election delivering a majority government for anyone at the moment. But if I was anyone, I would be. If I was the Tories, I'd be terrified of a general election. Yeah. If I was Labour, I'd be terrified of a general election because you've got to, you've got to commit somehow, and you're just going to lose yeah. a bunch of people. Yeah, you know, the Lib Dems are terrified because they haven't got any money left. Um, the Change UK. Um, they're not ready. They're used to they're it. They're not ready yet they're for not, a general election. No, they're not ready for a general election. I mean, the European the S- election the SM- would be a godsend for them. Though. I think the SNP and the Greens would do well, but everybody else, I think, should just be like, that's the last thing mm. they want right mm. now. But mm-hmm. a European election would be a really interesting proposition yes. because it's like you're going back to the, the sort of the SDP breaking mm. off, mm. and the first thing that happens is a proportional representation election, you know. That could really change the landscape and give them a, a, yeah. a, a platform from which to launch a serious... Um, I, that would be... That would give you a fascinating picture of what people are actually thinking, you know, said a, mm-hmm. a, a PR election. Because a general election is not going to tell you the, the story. It didn't in no. 2017. It didn't tell you, you know, this whole argument. So, well, 80% people voted for Brexit mm-hmm. because that's yeah. the manifestos. Exactly. It was mm-hmm. like everybody's got a different story about the way they decided to go in a marginal or they decided to vote Labour for this reason. I, exactly. But despite it's not more tactical, of that, but in a European be... election, you could go to people yeah. with a message. Yep. Greens, Lib Dems, uh, Change UK, pick one. Mm-hmm. And vote for it mm-hmm. so that at the end we can tally up all the clearly mm-hmm. pro-EU votes and 
and tell politicians this is how many people are against you on this. And and remember that um, EU 27 nationals living in the UK can vote can in European elections. Can vote in European, European elections. elections. I'm quite excited about your vote. Yeah, so. yeah, yeah. And um, yeah, I mean, I think I think that's exactly right. And what was quite interesting was I heard... Um, uh, Rhys Mogg on a rival Brexit podcast uh, this morning um, and he was talking There's about no the... rival <laughs> <laughs> he, Alex is dust they are uh, nothing <laughs> <laughs> um, and he was saying that the indicative votes were so ridiculous because people were just choosing their least hated option rather than anything for and he was making the case for proportional representation right there <laughs> you know and, and the fact that we d- we didn't have preferential voting on the indicative votes is a shame and i would like to see it for monday and it may yet happen but but probably not um meanwhile in the rest of europe donald tusk is calling for an emergency summit on 10th of april um what can we expect from that <laughs> what's what's the vibes like there <laughs> I- I don't know a huge amount about it. I know, you know, what I said earlier that that it'll probably follow the same format of May going in and saying, you know, please, can I have, um, and then being asked to leave while they discuss that, and they could, as as we've said, say actually, f off, it's no deal, um, but hopefully not. And all of the signs from them, and particularly from Tusk this week, has been, you know, that we we owe it particularly to Remainers uh, in the in the UK to look after them. That was a very stirring message. Yeah, I it was. was. I was yeah. quite, quite moved by that. Mm, that yeah, it was like we actually care. Yeah, about these. Yeah, these and, it's and they should isn't because it? you know now the Parliament is different, and the Parliament are trickier for us. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I don't know a huge amount of what to expect. I think that that they are being kind as possible to us, but I do think they're running out of patience, as as Alex has alluded to. And I don't see as she can ask for anything other than an extension, either for a year or maybe even to the end of transition. Um, my my contacts in Brussels tell me that there's because there's always actually been a significant school of thought that said the UK has held back the project for a very long time. So there's always been a, a, you know, a respectable school of thought inside the institutions that said, let's ditch the hecklers and then we can get on with it. And obviously that school of thought has gained <laughs> significant credibility mm. in the shit show of the last few months. Um, but I think my experience from Greece is that the their MO is always to smooth market shock, always. They never want sharp spikes because, you know, they are an intricate, interconnected system of economies. And actually, you know, if something happens to the the export businesses in Rotterdam, it can actually have repercussions. So their instinct always is to take a sharp spike in market shock and stretch it out so that it smooths and becomes more manageable. And I think that's what they will do again in one way or another. I mean, effectively, both last time and this time, they're doing May's homework for her. I mean, last time they drafted her her policy for her. She went to them with a hopeless request for an extension and they actually formulated it in a way that could help her pass the deal through and still she failed. There's amazing sovereignty going on there, isn't there? (laughs) Just going over to Europe and going, can you just... Yeah. Don't know 
the workings. I must have made a mistake. It's, I mean, it's, this it's is mess. what everyone voted for when they voted yeah. take back control, right? You know, that would be outside a room nervously waiting for the <laughs> result of the the sort of antibiotic resistant strain of gonorrhea, whether it had cleared or not. <laughs> <laughs> Stop. That's a that's a beautiful image. Thanks for coming back. <laughs> um, now, last Saturday, up to a million people uh, marched, and uh, Naomi said, I believe there was one arrest for yes. drunken tomfoolery. Mm-hmm. Very minimal police presence. Um, the Leave crew today, uh, you're Tommy Robinson, Nigel Farage, um, and co., that seemed to be on the verge of turning quite quite nasty. Yeah, unfortunately, just before I came here, that some buildings around Westminster were being evacuated. Um, staff, particularly parliamentary staff, were being told to try and make their journeys home um, before about 3.30. Um, and there was a very heavy police presence. And um, my offices aren't too far away from there. And they were li- the streets were lined with big police vans. And, uh, and all of a sudden, their sirens went on and they rushed over. Uh, so yes, it had seemed to be turning pretty nasty. Wouldn't it be funny if they just bundled them into the vans, took them to Sunderland and left them there to walk back again? <laughs> oh, <laughs> poor old Sunderland. <laughs> Sunderland don't deserve that. But I'm sure there was talk of if we don't leave on March 29th, you know, yeah. things will get Blood nasty on, on, on a bigger scale. Yeah. And, you know, I hear a, a lot of Vox Pops from the BBC um, of people just going, why don't they just get on with it? I'm just fed up with it. But I don't hear... I'm going to uh, set fire to things. Mm. And this does seem like the, the kind of people who are turning nasty are exactly... Mm. They didn't need we're, to turn nasty. They were the what's, people you'd expect, what's, right? Sorry, you go. You well, go we name. figured out that because there were so few of them, they were doing laps of Parliament Square to try and make it look like their, their <laughs> trail of people God were still coming along. The much they, yeah. <laughs> but, I mean, is it, is it but sort it, of encouraging that, that those numbers are... So low. Those are so low. And people, you know, the, the this thing, thing is, that we've been complaining about is this kind of spectre of mass civil unrest. Mm-hmm. And you're looking at here, I know obviously Brexit has not been cancelled or whatever, but it is March 29th. It hasn't happened yet. And they these, lost Ghetto. These are the only people they can muster to kind of like yeah. get angry yeah. about it. I mean, listen, looking at the London riots a few years ago, it it doesn't take much of a spark to get things started. So uh, we we shouldn't be flippant about the numbers and about, you know, how much bigger and more well-behaved our march was compared to theirs um, because things can tip over, you know. Someone can get hurt by accident and they become a hero. And, you know, things can get ugly quickly. For me, the essential thing is that even looking at the Vox Pops on the BBC – they don't know what it is that they want. So, they want to get on with so, it, Alex. I think they've no, made that clear. No, but, but can I say, even among that crowd gathered in, in Parliament Square, you know, you shove a microphone in their face and some of them are saying, why won't they vote for the deal so mm. we can Brexit? Mm. And some of them will say, why don't we leave with no deal? Mm. So even at that basic level, half of them are protesting the fact that, you know, Parliament won't pass May's deal. And half of them are protesting the fact that she won't leave without a deal on the 29th. So they they would need some kind of cohesion to become real trouble. When, a, when are Brexiters going to come together? And heal, heal this divide. <laughs> they came together <laughs> once. Together. They came yeah. together once three years ago. I think that's the point.
point. And, and we have so overvalued the vote of people who had never voted before. I keep hearing it said, what about people that vote regularly? What about people who are politically engaged and see it as the civic duty to vote every time there is an election? Oh, no, fuck them. Let's look after the people who just decided to, you know, put a fresh pair of Y-fronts on, <laughs> get out of their sofa once and go and vote. I, did, I do not, the I do not approve this message, Alex. Sorry. I'm I mean, sorry. I'm, I'm sorry sure, to all Y-front wearers. I'm sure some of the, You're yeah, not all bad. Yeah, I mean, it doesn't My mean that... My dad wore Y-front. It doesn't mean that they're, <laughs> they're you know, that they're kind of, you know, they're bad people. They don't deserve their say or whatever. But I think I agree that valorizing the idea of these are people who have never voted before yeah. as... As if, as if, and it's great that they wanted to vote, but it's as if there's no downside to the fact that they exactly. have no familiarity I'm not with politics. They don't deserve. They, they say they absolutely do, but it shouldn't count more than no. people who are involved. And and actually, the important point to make in in what you're saying is is the point that we make to politicians when we're lobbying them and showing them our data, which is that it was an election that turned out people who have never voted before and probably will not vote again. So when we're, we're speaking particularly to Labour MPs representing leave seats and we've analysed who votes for them, who voted for them in 2015, how did their seat vote in 2016 and how did that break down by the 2015 vote and the 2017 vote? The people who vote for them are pro-Remain and the Leavers that vote for them will never vote Conservative or SNP or yeah, whatever yeah. else. They are very tribally Labour. Well, if Labour. you're brutally pragmatic about and, it, then... And, yeah. and a lot of the Leavers have never voted before, don't vote for you, and will never vote for so you, you or anyone else. So don't worry about them. Exactly. So You've strange. got nothing to lose and everything to gain by backing So why Remain. have they been courting precisely that vote for two years? Quite. And, um, I mean... Yeah, I mean, it, and, 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 and because, you know, OK, we've seen more than we would have liked people outside Parliament today, but not very many. But those are the sorts of people that, hope not hate, have to try and... Um, uh, shield MPs from up and down the country all the time. You know, there are skinheads turning up outside constituency surgeries on a weekly basis trying to threaten and intimidate people. You know, you've, we, I, I've mentioned it before, but Joe Cox was politically assassinated three years ago. Yeah. It's, it's very, very raw for us of those MPs. And so I think they're, they're, it's not that they're necessarily courting them. They're just scared of them. And there is... Yeah, on, on no, a, I, I hadn't thought of it that way. You're right. And on a human level, even though Obviously, it's kind of it's fascinating to watch mm. this uh, this shitstorm unfold, but it must actually it must be very uh, difficult for MPs yeah. who are kind of I mean they're in there just the hours they're in there a lot, but also everybody's look everybody's like pounding them mm. on emails and Twitter mm. and people grabbing them in the lobby and yeah, trying to convince them this way or that, yeah. and there's this huge amount of attention and like you said that in some cases that can lead to actual mm. threats. But even just like this sort of blazing spotlight mm. on people who are mm. not, you know, <laughs> Boris Johnson style spotlight no. hoggers. No. Who don't just, feel they've, si they've signed up, they've signed mm. up for They're it They're just sort of standard MPs. Yeah. And, mm. you know, although obviously you think, well, that, you know, by postponing, by postponing, mm -hmm. we're going to have more chance of getting what we want. You do wonder, you know, I can do understand why people who are actually in the commons mm. are thinking how much longer... Is this going to go on? I, I genuinely cannot think of a worse triangulation in the in recent living memory. I think I think Labour's policy throughout the last two years will be taught 
in universities for decades to come. They have somehow magically managed to convince millions of Remainers that they are for Brexit and millions of leavers that they are against Brexit. This is what friend of the podcast it, Tony Blair said. It's just <laughs> extraordinary how they managed to get it so utterly wrong. Have we, I think we've run out of things to say now. <laughs> <laughs> but there's a lot to... As Stephen, Stephen Bush and the New Statesman said, that it might, we might potentially have four... Elections or four votes yes, this year. We, yes. The Europe, lo, well, local elections, huh? European elections, yeah. general election, yeah. referendum, referendum, possibly second general election. <laughs> so if you are one of those people that's never voted before, now's your chance. Now's time to fill up your scorecard. <laughs> Punch in, your card. In, one, in just a few months. <laughs> but do make sure you're registered to vote and particularly make sure any young people you know who are over 18, of course, are registered to vote because what we will need as a community is their voices being heard this time around. And EU citizens, EU citizens must get a wriggle on and register with their local authority because if there is a European election, they will be allowed to vote. Which will be a nice change for them. It will be a nice change, yeah. yeah. This has been a Romaniacs Emergency Podcast. Now, for God's sake, go to the pub and celebrate the Brexit day that wasn't. Hey. Hey.